I think that we glorify the God of the universe when we say, man, we're going to be really, really deliberate about stewarding the resources that he gave us so that excellence isn't just something that happens when we feel like it or when the right people show up or when we're not on vacation, but rather excellence is something that can be depended on from our organization because we care about the work so much. That's what it looks like to operationalize your business. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. I want to tell you about a fear that I had prior to starting this business that I actually brought with me into the business for about the first six months. I had this fear that, man, if you're going to build something from the ground up, if you're truly going to bootstrap this thing, if you're going to go from having nothing to owning a business that eventually creates freedom, it's going to be hustle and grind for like the first three years. And I literally stated these expectations and certainly walked around with them in my head that I I was saying, man, if I'm going to step out and leave my full-time job to do this, it's pretty likely that for the first three years, I'm not going to be able to go on vacation. I'm not going to have have any freedom. It's going to be work, work, work all the freaking time. And I'm just going to have to buckle down and have single-minded focus on this business and just being able to do what I need to do to get by. And if I do what I have to do, then eventually I'll get to do what I want to do. But man, certainly for the first three to five years, it's just not going to be like that. And that was the expectation that I was walking around with. And I'm so grateful to tell you today, just under two years into owning this business, that Not one day has that expectation proved to be reality. In fact, my reality has been almost the exact opposite of that expectation. In reality, I've gotten to go on some of the most wild vacations I've ever been on in the past two years. In reality, I've gotten to travel more for work and for pleasure than I have any of the other years combined in the past two years. In reality, I've gotten to create my schedule and my time in such a way that I'm able to focus on what I want to do and not just on what I have to do based on some arbitrary obligations or external outcomes that I didn't decide. And In reality, I'm experiencing way, way, way more freedom as a business owner than I have at any other point in my career. That is reality. And that's what I've experienced really for almost the totality of the past two years, which I'm so grateful for. Now, I wish I could tell you that those results are the product of my brilliance and my intelligence. And in reality, it's probably in spite of my intelligence that I I, uh, and our team has gotten to experience those outcomes and those results. So what has created that? Well, in many ways, I think it's the grace of God, but I would also tell you that it's the result of uh, some leaders that I deeply respect and admire, some role models and some mentors who have proven for me both with their life and actions, but also with their words and guidance that there is a better way. And I'm not telling you that if you're like launching a startup or if you're building a business that your experience is going to be exactly like my experience. I think everyone walks their own path. I am also not telling you that freedom is found in your schedule, right? And and I understand that the schedule is often an external manifestation of the freedom you experience internally. But ultimately, if, if you can't decide to be free where you are today, 
today. And if you can't find contentment and health and freedom where you are today, whether you're an owner or an employee or looking for a job, if you can't find that within you today and recognize that the amount of agency and control that you have over your life today, you will not find freedom around the corner. Right, Freedom in many ways is something that you choose to experience, and it's less related to external conditions and more related to internal decisions. But with that, one of the things that I've had to recognize and learn, largely from many of the leaders that I've followed and gotten to learn from, is that there are some things that I can do to influence my experience of freedom. And there are some decisions I can make as it relates to how I'm structuring our business and how I'm structuring my time, that if I apply myself to these things, even though they may be against the grain of my personality, my wiring, and my skill sets, if I do apply myself to this, one of the outcomes of that is going to be incredible freedom. And so there's a whole multitude of concepts to this that we teach anytime I get to work with teams in person or business owners on one-on-one coaching. There's, there's a whole series of things related to the responsibilities that a leader can uniquely fulfill to experience freedom themselves, but also create it for others. But one of those arenas that a leader can focus on is one word, and it's really at the crux of everything that we're learning within our business right now. And it's something that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about writing about and teaching lately. And so it's what I wanted to share with you on the podcast today. That one word is the word operationalize. I'm going to say it again. It's the word operationalize. And so that's what I wanted to walk through today is just some fundamental elements of how to operationalize your business. And I think that the reason why this is so important for you to focus on as a concept, but more than just focus on it as a concept, apply it as a practice, is because it's really related to two questions that are absolutely fundamental in the pursuit of being an impact-driven leader. The first question is, what are the highest return responsibilities of a leader? And I love that phrase, high return responsibilities. So this is a weight that if you choose to pick it up, put it on your back and carry it and actually move it forward, it will have an overflow effect that impacts your entire team. It's a high return responsibility. And truly, I think there's a handful of high return responsibilities that we often focus on in this podcast, the health of your business, the culture of your team, casting and catching a compelling vision and then making sure it's clear for others. But I would tell you that operationalizing your business and doing the hard work to make the complex simple within your business is one of those high return responsibilities that you can apply yourself to as a leader. But then there's another question that I think this is directly related to that whether we use these words or not, I think we often have this question on our minds. As a business leader, how do you simultaneously increase productivity and humanity? I once heard Jim Collins use this question in reference to what he thinks Peter Drucker dedicated his entire career to. And that's a pretty big statement because Peter Drucker is like the father of modern management, right? And and just wrote something like 90-something books on the topic of management and leadership. And in so many ways, he clarified and codified the, the leadership and management principles that all of us in this space are still referring to today. And Jim Collins, who is a brilliant leadership thinker in his own right, he spent a lot of time learning from Peter Drucker and studying Peter Drucker. And one of the things that he said is that he believes Peter Drucker 
dedicated his entire career to this single statement. How do you simultaneously increase productivity and humanity? We can all name organizations that increase productivity and they get bigger and they get broader and they get more efficient. But in the process of getting bigger and broader and more efficient, are they becoming healthier? No, they're not. In fact, as they scale their their organization, their soul starts to diminish and it starts to wither. And, and they don't even like what their organization is becoming if they're being honest with themselves. And they're starting to experience increased turnover within their organization. They constantly are seeing a high-level people leave the organization that have been with them for a long time. But in addition to those high-level people, they're seeing rock stars that they spend a lot of time and money and energy hiring come into the organization thinking it's one thing and realizing, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be, and then leaving within six or 12 months. And not only is that really expensive to the bottom line of the business, it's really costly to the soul of the business. And the reason why they're experiencing this is because they've sold out for productivity and in doing so, they've sacrificed humanity. But then we can also think of those organizations on the other side of the spectrum who are so focused on the humanity of their business, on the fact that they just want to take care of people and they just want to focus on the purpose and they're just so compassionate, but there's only one problem, they're not profitable. And sadly, that although their compassion is beautiful, it's not sustainable because they're not going to be in business very long unless they increase what they're producing, unless they find a way to be more productive. But the question that Peter Drucker was focused on, according to Jim Collins, the question that we're attending to today is how do we simultaneously increase productivity so we're becoming more efficient, we're becoming more effective, we've got more output, we've got more breadth, but in the process of having more breadth, more output, more productivity, we're also increasing our humanity. That we like our organization more this year than we did last year. That our team members like the business that they work for more this year than they did last year. That we feel more vitality in our business. That we feel more health in our business. That the purpose is stronger than it's ever been. That we continue to stand for and guard our values. And that's how you create this uh, incredible cultural flywheel that just creates outrageous momentum that can propel you and your organization forward. And here's what I will tell you is one of the things that I've learned in studying businesses for years now of all sizes and of all stages, and and also now getting to practice this on my own, is that both are possible, it's just not guaranteed. You can increase productivity and increase humanity simultaneously. It's just never going to happen accidentally. It's just never going to happen accidentally. It's always going to happen intentionally. And so it's in that context that we focus on this word operationalize. And before we jump into the four elements that I think you need to focus on in order to operationalize your business, I want to highlight four prerequisites that you need to have in place to make sure that if you're going to be an impact-driven leader and by extension have an impact-driven business, you need to get these four things in place. And then once you've got these four things in place, well, then we can start to really start applying ourselves to operationalizing 
your business. And so number one is an aspirational mission. And we've talked about this so many times on this podcast. You can find other episodes where we dive deep into what this looks like, but you need to have a mission statement that really clarifies why your business exists. But it's not just enough to have that mission statement. You need to use that mission statement. And you know, I just meet so many leaders that they they just, they start drooling the minute they hear the name Simon Sinek. And they're just like, oh, Simon Sinek. Oh, I just love Simon Sinek. And then and, and they say, oh, have you seen his TED Talk? Start with why. And they just love start with why, right? And, and then I say, oh yeah, awesome. I'm so glad you love Simon Sinek. I mean, the guy is literally amazing. And then I ask them, what's your why? And they don't have an answer right? I don't think Simon Sinek was joking or just talking hypothetically whenever he said you should start with why. I think he meant you should actually start with why. And I think it means that you should do the hard work of saying, why am I actually in business beyond just making a living, beyond just employing people, beyond just the fact that I'm unemployable anywhere else? But what's your why? What's your driving purpose? What's the thing that makes the hairs on your arms stand up? What's the thing that makes you so unbelievably excited? about what you get to do every single day. And no, I'm not talking about unicorns and rainbows and fluff. I'm talking about the thing that's going to give you some resiliency for when things are really freaking hard and you would get to be able to be paid more to do less if you went and got a job. That's what I'm talking about. What's your aspirational mission? And so we say at the beginning of every podcast here at Path for Growth, our aspirational mission is that we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. That's ours. What's yours? And not only do you know it, does your team know it? And we talk about this principle all the time. A language creates culture, right? So does your team have it memorized and are they using it? An aspirational mission. The next one is immovable core values. These are the boundaries within which outrageous freedom occurs within your organization. And so much of what we talk about with regard to operationalizing your business and with regard to putting these systems in place and with regard to establishing standards and having processes for doing things, it's going to require everyone on your team to take action and make decisions. And people will not proactively take actions and make decisions if they don't know the boundaries within which the game is being played. And that's what core values are. They answer the question, what do we stand for? So you got to have an aspirational mission. you got to have immovable core values. And then you've got to have a compelling documented vision. And we've talked about this a lot. At Path for Growth, we teach leaders how to create a vision charter that has a vision statement at the top that characterizes the entire document, and then five to seven vision pillars that really lay out what winning looks like three to five years from now, both quantitatively and qualitatively for the essential functions of your business. Now, if you don't do it our way, that's totally fine, but you better do it some way. Leadership is taking people from here to there. And therefore, one of your highest return responsibilities as a leader is clarifying what is there. And then not just saying, oh, I cast a vision because I say it a lot. Put it on paper and and reflect on it and evaluate it and move towards it and let it inform your strategy. Don't let it be so broad that it's just like, we're going to be the biggest and we're going to be the best. No, tell me what you actually want to be true three to five years from now. That's what requires real faith. Statements of generality that don't really mean anything and can't actually be measured isn't faith, right? Because we have no idea what success is and we also don't have any idea what failure is, right? It's just low risk cowardice is what that is. And so create a compelling documented vision and that's the vision charter that we teach within the membership. 
Okay, aspirational mission, immovable core values, compelling documented vision. Those are three of the prerequisites. Now you might be thinking, okay, well, what's the fourth? What else would you need to start really focusing on operationalizing your vision? This is important for those of you that are in startup mode, a predictable revenue model. Now, many of you that listen to this podcast are operating multi-million dollar organizations that really need the order that we're going to talk about in, in this episode. And so this, this section really isn't for you, but I also get to talk to so many of you, which I'm so grateful that we reach such a broad spectrum of audience. Many of you are either thinking about starting your own business or you just recently started your own business. And man, I believe in you so much and, and I'm just such a, a fan of yours. And I just think it takes such guts to start something And if you are that person, I'm so proud of you. And I just want you to know that we're in your corner as a team. And we're so grateful that you continue to listen to this content. Here's what I'll tell you, though. In spending time talking to y'all, and I can be this way myself, it can be so easy to get so obsessed with things like what we're going to talk about on the podcast today, operationalizing. Meanwhile, you should be focusing on creating a legitimate business model that will actually keep you alive within the next year. Right. And so we can get so obsessed with, oh, I got to document our processes and we got to have a standard of improvement and we got to make sure that we've got systems and structure. Meanwhile, you're not profitable. And I, and I, I love that you want to introduce structure and I love that you want to be a healthy business. But to be a healthy business, you first got to have a business, not just an expensive hobby. And so let's spend some time focusing on how do we make revenue predictable? And believe me, when I say predictable, I'm not saying 100% because it will never be 100%. But what I am saying is you've got to have some level of stability with regard to the future viability of your business so that you can buy the ability to then start focusing on the more nuanced areas of scalability. So let's again focus on the four prerequisites and you can just think of these through the red, yellow, green uh, evaluation method if you want to and think about where you're at because these are what I want you to have in, in place in order to operationalize your business. An aspirational mission that answers why do we exist. Immovable core values that say what do we stand for. A compelling documented vision that describes the future that you want three to five years from now both qualitatively and quantitatively and a predictable revenue model so that you've got some stability that will guarantee your business's vitality moving forward. Now, if you've got those four things, awesome. If you don't, let's be about the business of creating those four things. And you know this, we've got a ton of resources that can help you with that, but also that's what we do, right? And so if you want our help creating any of those things within your business, I would say reach out to our team and whether that looks like a team training for your business or being a part of our membership or one-on-one coaching with Empath for Growth will help you find the right avenue for you. But if you do have those four things in place, It's in that reality that you're going to face a problem. And here's the problem that you're going to face. Your stress level is going to increase proportional to the rate that your business grows. So if you've got those four things in place, you've got a thriving culture because you've got mission and values. You've got a vision. You say, this is where we're going. And you've also got a predictable revenue model. What's so cool is that your business is going to grow. It's going to happen. You're going to say, man, I'm living the dream. It's happening. This is what I was hoping for, right? But then what else is going to grow with your business? Well, your stress level is going to increase as well. 
right? Because you're primarily at the beginning, the person that's driving this growth and the person that's making this happen. And we've got to do the work now of taking your skill set and your strengths and your talents and your gifts and getting them out of your head and onto paper. Because if we don't do that, you're just constantly going to be walking around on eggshells and sitting up at three o'clock at night, thinking about all the open loops that are in your head because you don't have processes in place to scale alongside the growth of your business. And so it's through that lens that we talk about the topic of operationalizing. Because what operationalizing is going to do is it's going to give you the ability to guard quality amidst delegation. Think about that for a second. So often, whenever we delegate things, if we haven't operationalized our business, we hand things off and immediately the quality like dramatically suffers. And I'm not talking about like it's 80% as good. I'm talking about we hand it off and it's like doesn't even look like what it used to be. And we're just handing stuff off and we're not telling people how we want it to be done and we're not casting a vision of what our expectations are and we just don't have time for it. So we just need someone else to do it. And so we just hand it off and it's like, it looks nothing like it used to be. So so operationalizing helps us guard against that. And, and while we delegate, while we hand off responsibility, we're gonna have the ability to guard quality. What else does it help us do? Helps us practice healthy growth. So you're gonna be able to increase the size of your business while also increasing the soul of your business. But also within that, you're not gonna be the leader who set out to create something that would gain freedom for them. And in reality, look up two years later more enslaved than you've ever been. And the thing that's enslaving you is the thing that you created. That's not healthy growth. And and so we, we talk about this all the time. Everyone says, if you're not growing, you're dying. Okay, but just because you're growing doesn't mean you're living. And I know a lot of leaders and I know a lot of organizations that are growing, but they're just as dead as those that aren't. And so it's possible to practice healthy growth. It's just not guaranteed. And what I do know is that the people that do practice healthy growth never do it accidentally. It's always outrageous intentionality, like incredible deliberate intentionality. And it looks like the work that we're going to talk about today. And then it's going to help you make a sustainable impact. And the key word to circle there is sustainable. What would it look like for you to make a sustainable impact? What would it look like for you to not be a flash in the pan leader, but rather be a crockpot leader? The type of leader that just cooks on a low temperature slowly, but we look up in 20 years and you're still going and your organization's still going and it's got more vitality, it's got more reach and it's got more breadth and it's got more depth and it's making a legitimate, meaningful impact on the lives of its team members and customers, regardless of industry and regardless of work, because it's committed to deep-seated quality because deep-seated quality is how you make an impact, not just by focusing on making a buck. And so that's what we're talking about here. Now, within that, you're probably asking the question, what does it mean to operationalize? And here's the definition that we teach whenever we teach this topic. It's to translate an abstract concept into a measurable, accessible, repeatable, and iterable process. Think about this for a second. Translating an abstract concept into a measurable, accessible, repeatable, and iterable process. 
Now, there's a lot woven into that definition that's actually going to be expounded upon in the four elements of operationalization that we talk about today. But it's taking something that exists conceptually in your head, and we're going to make it measurable so we know black and white what winning looks like. We're going to make it accessible so it's not just in your head because people can't read your mind, your team can't read your mind. It's going to be on paper and it's going to be documented. It's going to be repeatable so it's not just something that only you as the charismatic, quirky leader can do, but other people can do as well. And then it's going to be iterable because we're committed to constant, never-ending improvement. And, and so within that, there's going to be four elements associated with operationalizing. And, and these are the four steps that I want you to know because it's important for you as a leader to, to really be the tip of the spear on this effort within your organization. But more than you knowing these things, I want you to be able to teach these things. And whether that looks like you sharing this podcast with your team and then talking about how it applies to your business, or maybe it's you kind of creating your own content or Related to these four steps, I will tell you that the teams that thrive over the long term don't just have a leader that is committed to operationalizing the business. They have a culture that is committed to operationalizing the business. And that's what we're focused on within our team. And it's just been so cool to see team members within every area of our organization just run with this. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these four elements. And I'm going to teach you these four elements in such a way that they can be applied to literally every arena of what you do. And I'm going to do a, a pretty high-level run-through of these things, but if you want kind of a more in-depth explanation of this, you can listen to the episode that I did with our COO, Zach Estes. It's called Building in Public Number 2. It was a handful of weeks ago that we posted that. We'll also post the link in the show notes of this episode. But I'm going to give you the four elements high level, and then we're going to walk through them. Number one is standardize. Number two is document. Number three is evaluate. Number four is improve. Again, standardize, document, evaluate, improve. Now listen to this real quick. Teams who are committed to operationalizing their business are going to perpetually, like this is an ongoing thing, commit to applying these same four elements to every repeated action at every level of their organization. So anytime you see something being done more than once, our goal needs to be that not all at once, not immediately, but gradually we need to start applying these four elements to every repeated action within our organization because that's what's going to make your business into something that is incredibly high-functioning and outrageously healthy. Okay, so let's jump into number one, standardize. What does standardize mean? Well, to standardize something means there are clarified benchmarks for success. So what is a standard? Well, an effective standard is a clear and comprehensive description of the desired outcome. So maybe you've got a specific meeting that people are spending time on. Maybe you've got a role on your team that you want to clarify the expectations for. Maybe you've got a project that you want someone to work on. Maybe you've got a body of work that you're needing to hand off. What's the first thing you should do as a leader? Well, everyone always talks about, oh, don't delegate tasks, delegate outcomes. And then the first thing they do is they start handing off tasks. Don't do that. What is an outcome? What does it actually mean to delegate outcomes? Well, it means that you're going to describe a picture of what the work will look like when it's done. You're not going to describe a picture of what it looks like to do the work. And this is an incredibly important nuance. And some people say, oh, this is just a grammatical difference. It's not. It's not a grammatical difference at all because what we're doing whenever we give people outcomes is we're trusting in and we're believing in their creativity rather than just demanding their compliance. 
And so that's what I want us to focus on here is clarifying what success looks like for a specific role, a specific project, or a specific meeting. Now, what this looks like within Path for Growth, the way we do standards is we call them success statements. And we literally, for every area of our business, everything from the podcast to workshops to different roles on the team to different parts of our membership, like office hours and one-on-one coaching calls to the team trainings that I get to do, literally every area of our business, we have three to five statements that describe what winning looks like for those areas. And so I want to I share some of those success statements w- with you because this is how we measure success and this is how we delegate outcomes and this is how we measure people according to a high standard. And so I'm going to give you the five success statements that we have for the monthly workshop that we teach to leaders and business owners within the Path for Growth membership. And so here they are. Members were welcomed and given the opportunity to interact verbally or in the chat. Members were equipped with a specific principle and practice for their business and or leadership. Members were taught how to implement the principles and practices in their business. Workshop content was communicated in a manner that was clear, engaging, and on brand. Members left with a greater sense of energy and ability than when they arrived. Okay, now let's just focus on that last one just to isolate it a little bit. Members left with a greater sense of energy and ability than when they arrived. You see how that's an outcome and not a task? I'm not telling people what to do. I'm not even telling people how to do it. I'm telling people what winning looks like. And and this is a little bit of a mindset shift for many leaders. It's a huge mindset shift for the people on your team to start thinking through the lens of what's the desired outcome. So if you have a meeting with customers regularly recurring within your organization, you say, man, we really want to do this well. What do you want to do? Do you want to tell people how to do it? You want to give them a script? You want to tell them exactly what to say and when to say it? No, what you want to do is you want to tell them, this is what we want to be true at the end of the meeting. So maybe it's an hour meeting. In 60 minutes, write three to five sentences of what you want to be true. That's a standard, right? So the standard is what winning looks like. The standard, let's use an example, is a perfectly baked cake. Okay, I'm not much of a cake guy, but think about this for a second. It's the perfectly baked chocolate cake. And so if you are a cake person, what do cake people pay attention to? Well, they pay attention to the moisture level and they and they pay attention to the thickness of the icing and they pay attention to the proportion of icing to cake and they pay attention to the, the flavor profile of the cake and they pay attention to the proportions of the ingredients, right? But what they look at is not how the cake was created. What they judge an exceptional chef on is the outcome. How's the cake? They don't really care about your recipe. They care about how's the cake? What is the final product? What is the outcome? And so the standard is the perfectly baked chocolate cake. That's important to remember. And we're going to go a little bit deeper on what the recipe actually represents here in just a second. But that's important to remember is that the standard are the clarified benchmarks for success. So many leaders are so good about saying what they don't want and which they, what they wish didn't happen and pointing out things that they don't like. What would it look like to proactively paint a picture of what you actually do want? And in many ways, that's a lot like vision casting. So often I think we think of vision as being, where are we going in 10 years? Where are we going in five years, right? But what if vision is, where is this project going? Where is your role going? Where are you going? Where's this meeting going? Cast a vision of what success looks like in the distinct areas of your business that matter and then watch people take advantage of the freedom that you give them to figure out the best possible how to meet the expectations of your what and why. Standardize. 
Okay, let's move on to number two. Number two is document. So within our team at Path for Growth, we've kind of established that we don't get to call it a standard and we certainly don't get to hold ourselves or other people accountable to a standard until that standard is documented in Trainual. And I know so many of you that are listening to this podcast use Trainual. We're just absolutely in love with that program. Chris Ronzio, the founder of that organization, is just a, a dear friend of mine and just a business leader that I so deeply respect. And man, it's just such a remarkable organization, right? They're just so good at building something that is intuitive and easy to use. And our team just absolutely loves it as a program where we can start to document the standards that we're identifying. And what's so cool is that Chris, I mean, he's a business owner, right? And so he and his team, it's like, it's not like they're just these people that are off in an ivory tower building some software program that doesn't at all connect to the day-to-day business owner that's actually trying to use this thing. They are doing the thing. They use their program. And I just think that's so cool. And so that's why we use that program, but you don't have to use that program. I would tell you, find a program. Many people that we work with use Basecamp for this purpose. Some people use Asana. What I would tell you is Trainual is the best tool that we've found to really create uh, iterable processes and documented standards within in our business. And so we'll put the link in the show notes to check out Trainual if you'd like to go check that out. But within our team, we've established that we don't get to call it a standard and we certainly don't get to hold people accountable to a standard until that standard is documented in Trainual. And so what does it mean to document? It means that the benchmarks for success and a proven process for achieving them are outlined in a manner that is both clear and accessible. And so for us, there's two steps associated with documenting a standard at Path for Growth. We've got to write the success statements, and that's the standard, right? That's the perfect chocolate cake. That's the three to five statements that describe what winning looks like for the role, the project, or the meeting. And so success statements, three to five success statements for what winning looks like. And then the second piece is really important. The second piece is the proven process. And so we said that the success statements are the standard, and the standard is the perfect chocolate cake. What is the proven process? The proven process is the recipe. And so the proven process that we document is the best practice for achieving the desired outcomes that have been labeled. So yes, we have our success statements and we say, this is what winning looks like. But then we also have a proven process because we've been doing this for years now and you've been in business for years now. And so it would probably be a good idea to give people some breadcrumbs on, hey, we're always willing to be proven wrong. But up till this point, the best, most efficient and most effective way to achieve the win that we've already clarified is to follow this process. And this is the actions, right? This is what we recommend doing. This is the best practice. And so those are the two pieces and we want to document those. And what I would challenge you to do, we spend some time teaching our team this and we've taught other leaders how to teach their team this, is create a format for documenting standards and processes that is consistent, Because what you will do in doing that is you will create a format for your business where different people can plug and play into different roles and they're able to quickly get ramped up and trained into how to do the thing so that they win. Recognize that most people you hire want to win in the job that you give them And they're just looking for the best way to do that. And if you can provide them with the software program that says, hey, here's what winning looks like, crystal clear, three to five statements, and then here's the best way that we've found to do that, man, great people will run with that. So we're going to standardize, and then we're going to document, and then we're going to evaluate. And here's what evaluate means, and I want you to listen to this because there's some nuance to it. There is an established system for ongoing evaluation of performance compared to the standard. Now, 
listen to what this says, established system for ongoing evaluation. What does evaluation typically look like with an organization? Well, it looks like a leader walking around pointing out the things that they don't like. And that sucks because we're not pointing out things that we don't like as it compares to the documented standard. We're just arbitrarily deciding things that happen to stand out whenever we walked in the office or logged on to Zoom that day. That's not right. And it's not really in alignment with what healthy leadership looks like. And so what does healthy leadership look like? Well, it looks like establishing the standards and then having a rhythm of ongoing evaluation within those standards of how is your performance? day to day comparing to the standards that have been established. And so we've given people success statements. Those are statements of what winning looks like. What would it look like for you to have weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly, and even yearly rhythms where within the projects and roles and meetings that are repeatable within your organization, you and the leaders in your organization and even the team members in your organization are evaluating how they did as it compares to standard. Now at Path for Growth and within our membership, the way we teach leaders to ingrain evaluation into their business is is the format that we use within our business. It's red, yellow, green. And what red is, is not true. Yellow is inconsistently true. Green is consistently true. So we've got the success statements that describe what winning looks like. And then on a weekly basis, our team members meet with their leader. And sometimes it takes upwards of 10 to 15 minutes and that's it. And they just sit down and for the five success statements for their role, they read yellow, green, red is, man, that's not true. You're not winning right now. Or yellow, it's inconsistently true. Green is consistently true. And here's what's important is we're red, yellow, greening the results, not the person. And that depersonalizes the work in such a way that we're then able to say, let's talk about the results that matter and how we're doing as it relates to those results. And then if we're not meeting the desired results, we can craft an action plan for how to move in that direction. But the point that I'm trying to get across here is that evaluation isn't sporadic and spontaneous. Evaluation is rhythmic and consistent. And there's a whole variety of formats that we use within our organization. Self-evaluation is one of them. Every time I do a one-on-one coaching call within our business, right after I finish, I get an email. Our system is triggered to send me an email and it gives me my success statements for the one-on-one coaching call, the standards that we have for that product within our business. And I walk down and I red, yellow, green, how I did compared to the standards. And man, I can't tell you how helpful that is for me, right? And I'm the owner of this business. I'm the one that created those standards in many ways. And and for me to look at those and say, how did I do compared to what I said winning looks like? But then for me as a leader to know that every single coach on our team is also being held accountable to the same high standard through their own self-evaluation and they're constantly putting their eyes back on, okay, how did I do compared to what winning looks like? Self-evaluation is such a powerful tool. And so you can create systems for that in your business. You can also have group evaluation. One of the things that we're so excited about launching as we start to have more coaches, we're going to start doing game film review and we're going to start doing role playing for our coaches where members of our team come in and they role play different scenarios and different situations that we've seen come up in coaching in the past. And then our coaches are given the opportunity to practice the five qualities of effective coaching that we've laid out before on this podcast. And then they red, yellow, green each other on how they did that. We're just so excited about that. We've already done a little bit of it. Man, it's just, it's going to be so powerful to give the group the opportunity to learn what does success look like through the lens of other people doing the work and then can they help me grow by also evaluating me? 
And then there's also peer evaluation and then there's leader evaluation like we talked about in one-on-one meetings. The biggest thing that I want you to get from this section is for the repeatable activity within your business, you need to have the standard. The standard needs to be documented, but it's not done at that point. Once the standard is documented, you need to establish a rhythm And rhythm implies cadence. It implies consistency. It means that there's a a timeline through which we do this, right? Maybe it's weekly. Maybe it's biweekly. Maybe it's monthly. Maybe it's quarterly, right? But there's a rhythm for evaluating how are we doing compared to the standard red, yellow, green. And then finally, we move to the fourth element, which is improve. There's that Japanese word that has just become so popular in lean culture that's, that's kaizen, right? And kaizen means never-ending improvement. And it's just these small tweaks and it's just constantly making changes and it's just constantly iterating. And that's what you want to create in your organization. You want to create the cultural mindset that the best practice can always be made better. And so you want every level of your team to be able to iterate on the process and on the standards to ensure that the ones that are documented best reflect what is true about the best way to serve the team and the customer today. And so what's going to happen is as you start to operationalize your business, you're going to be further removed from the front lines. And what happens to so many businesses is as they get further removed from the front lines, they don't have a method for changing the way work is done. And so the processes that they used at the beginning whenever they were on the front lines just stay stagnant and stultified. And they look up five years later, and although they're no longer the best way to serve the customer because the marketplace has changed and the customer customer base has changed and the business has changed, we're still doing it that way because, quote, it's the way we've always done it. And man, I know you hate that phrase. I know you hate that phrase because I hate that phrase. But unless you have rhythms in your organization for consistently making tweaks to the proven processes and to the standards in a way that is consistent and accessible to the entire team, the way we've always done it is going to be the path of least resistance. And it's going to be what people opt for because they don't know what else to do. And so give people the opportunity and the ability to improve, to make never-ending improvements as they see fit. Listen to this statement real quick. Impact-driven leaders guard against stultification by creating an environment where the success statements and proven processes are consistently reviewed and updated. And so what we want is we want every team member within the organization to be able to question, is this still the best way? And if there's a hypothesis that the answer to that question is no, then they have the ability to test that hypothesis, to prove out a better way of doing things, and then to document that better way. And that that's not something we get offended by as an organization, but rather that's something we celebrate as an organization because the team member that is improving upon the processes that we've established that have become stale and stagnant, that team member is the one thing that's guarding your business against becoming complacent and therefore dead. And so we should clap for that person. We should celebrate that person. We should give that person a promotion because they're investing in the wellspring of life because they're investing in the life and vitality of your organization by constantly committing to making the small pieces better and then doing the hard work of documenting what better looks like. And so those are the four steps. We need to standardize. We need to document. We need to evaluate. And we need to improve. And so it can be so easy 
to get so excited about these four steps and what they represent conceptually that we don't actually do anything practically. And so I want to give you a very clear action item. Choose one area of your business. Maybe it's a meeting. Maybe it's a body of work. Maybe it's a role. And what I want you to do for that area of your business is I want you to clarify the standard. Write down three to five statements that describe what winning looks like for that area. So maybe it's a project within your business. I want you to describe three to five sentences of what it's going to look like when that project is completed 90 days from now. Three to five sentences. And I don't want you to describe what you want people to do. I want you to describe, again, what you want to be true at the end. That's the standard. It's the baked chocolate cake. And then what I want you to do is I want you to document. I want you to make sure that whoever is going to be responsible for completing this project, whether it's you or it's someone else in your business, has access to the documented standards, but also any information that you have or anyone on your team has about how to best accomplish the standard or the desired outcomes that you've given them. So you're giving them a picture of the perfect chocolate cake and you're also giving them the best recipe you've found up to this point. Document. And then I want you to evaluate. So once someone completes the project, we're going to look at the project and take maybe 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, maybe it's a big project. So maybe we're going to take an hour. Then we're going to say, okay, let's evaluate the success of this project and our performance on this project compared to the standards that we established at the beginning. So we always say, start with the end in mind. You should also probably end with the end in mind, right? And and so we should say, okay, what did we say we wanted and how did we do compared to what we said we wanted? And red, yellow, green. And no, we're not saying, oh man, we're red. So that means we completely failed. We're saying we're red. So that means we get to learn. That means we get to improve. That means we get to get better. And then I want you to improve. Is there a better way that we could describe the standards that we established? Is there a better way that we could document the process that we've given? And and just constantly iterate and make small tweaks. And then once you do that for one area, go find another area and do it there. And then teach someone how to do this. And what you'll look up and you'll see a year from now, if you commit yourself to constantly doing these on the essential functions of your business, you'll look up and you'll say, man, this thing is running well. And I can sleep better at night and I can go on vacation and this thing will still hum. And people are enjoying their work because they're not paranoid all the time about how they're performing compared to what I'm expecting. And that's how you simultaneously increase productivity, but also increase humanity. This is hard work. And it's hard work because it requires you to sit down and really think and really get clear about what you want and remove distractions and turn off your phone and put things on paper. But I will tell you that if what you're looking for is the experience of freedom, there might not be one concept that you could apply yourself to that would do more work in terms of achieving that virtue and that ideal in your life and in the lives of your team members. And so do the hard work of operationalizing your business. Why? So that others may benefit. And what I'll tell you is that when we create systems that make excellence predictable, I think God is glorified in that. I really do. 
I think that we glorify the God of the universe when we say, man, we're going to be really, really deliberate about stewarding the resources that he gave us so that excellence isn't just something that happens when we feel like it or when the right people show up or when we're not on vacation, but rather excellence is something that can be depended on from our organization because we care about the work so much. That's what it looks like to operationalize your business. Y'all, I hope that this is helpful. I hope that you're able to act on it. Hey, one more thing real quick. Uh, If you want to get the written content that we send out every single week, I write one email a week and it's because I really don't like email. I think most of it isn't worth it. It's not worth your time, not worth your energy. But once a week, we try to send one email that is, we send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering and a recommendation worth taking. You can read it in under three minutes. And we also send out a quick video that kind of describes the principle a little bit more in depth. If you want to get on that email list, you can sign up at pathforgrowth.com or on the link that's in the show notes. Y'all, you know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.